That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Their second from last exam on Thursday morning was Defense Against the Dark Arts. Professor Lupin had compiled the most unusual exam any of them had ever taken. A sort of obstacle course outside in the sun, where they had to wade across a deep paddling pool containing a grindy low, cross a series of potholes full of red caps, squish their way across a patch of marsh, ignoring the misleading directions from a hanky punk, then climb into an old trunk and battle with a new bogart. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with the generation into adulthood. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry. We did it for you. Here's what we're talking about today. Chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's Prediction. Oh my god, guys, this chapter, I don't even know where to start. Okay, so they're taking exams. It takes a long time. Reading, it takes a long time. It probably takes a long time to take the exams, too. Their last exam is divination, where the students are expected to gaze into a crystal ball and read something, blah, blah, blah. Harry sucks at it. But after the exam is done, Professor Trelawney says something a little weird and acts a little weird. She is weird. She's being weird. Weirder than normal. Like, something's weird. <laughs> God, I'm not doing very good with this one. Anyway, she predicts that the Dark Lord's most uh, dedicated servant is gonna rejoin him this very day. So I guess it's just the beginning of the end, kind of. Um, After exams are done, they get a letter from Hagrid saying that Buckbeak lost his appeal and he's going to be executed like that night. So the gang goes to visit him. And while they're there, Hermione discovers Scabbers. He's been hiding in Hagrid's hut. What the fuck? That's so weird. There's no logical explanation for why a rat would be that far from where he's supposed to be. Ugh. And then the freaking executioner and all these other dudes show up to murder Buckbeak and the gang is trying to get away and they can't get away fast enough and Scabbers is losing his fucking mind. And then they hear it. They hear, they hear the fall of the axe as their comrade Buckbeak has been executed by the man. Welcome to your podcast exam. I'll be your practitioner, Christina. And today you're going to get quizzed on the restricted section. Do you mean proctor? <sighs> what did I say? <laughs> practitioner. <laughs> Fuck. She's the doctor. <laughs> Damn it, I thought that was a really good one, and it wasn't. It, it is a good one. It's just the wrong word. I'm sorry. Should I not have said anything? Would no. you have rather someone told you on Twitter? Because that would have happened. <laughs> no, Brooke. If there's one thing I can rely on from you, it's that you will correct me when I'm wrong, and I'm grateful. Oh, my God. Thank you. Learning how to do it gracefully is something I'm working on with my therapist. <laughs> well, that was really well done. That's my feedback for you. Thanks. Um, you made it. It's the restricted section. I'm your host, Christina. You may have noticed the dulcet tones of our beloved Brooke. There she is. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm definitely not putting off a bunch of grad school work to do this. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Sarcasm and panic. Um, <laughs> and our special guest today, I'm very excited. One of my best friends in the world 
And she was here for Chamber of Secrets. I forget which chapter. I forgot to look it up. Um, I forget, too. Yep, because you picked one and I accidentally <laughs> gave you the wrong one. I remember that much. Because it wasn't important and you were deeply forgetting. Uh, I think I was. <laughs> I'm sure that I was, actually. Okay, well, her name is Alexis. Oh, that's my name. Okay. <laughs> and that's who this is. We're so glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, literally any old time or like up to <laughs> twice per book, probably. <laughs> any old time. <laughs> so today we're talking about chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's prediction. So y'all know what the fuck is about to go down. But before we get started, we have some owl mail. And it's not even from Mott's this time. It is from someone else. It's from Claire. I will read it at this time. I'm being Claire now. Hi, all. It's me, Claire, fan of the show and curious member of the community. I did have a question about a part of the series that you're about to get to, slash I think we slightly got to it already. Um, That was me, Christina, interjecting. Um, We know that the Marauders created the Marauders map, but how much of that do you think was just the boys fucking around until it worked? We have no evidence to show anything similar from Zonko's line of products or anything from prior students to create a Hogwarts map. Did they just want to avoid teachers, or do you think they were inspired by something else in the wizarding world that we don't know about? Any responses appreciated. Love the show and the community. Two exclamation points. Sincerely, Claire K. Thank you so much for this email, Claire K. And to be perfectly honest, the Marauders map is a great mystery to all. Yeah, I just don't even know how to get started on that. Yeah, so like, do we think they made it by accident? I think they made it on purpose. But I think that it was likely like a lot of combined effort of them all kind of assembling things that they were good at until they were able to create a single unified product. And I, I have always assumed that they started making it so that they could easily sneak Lupin in and out of the castle when he had to transform. Right. Interesting. But, like, what? Oh, shouldn't Lupin exiting the castle have been, like, a supervised thing by, like, a teacher? I mean, it, like, apparently wasn't, though. They're literally like, yeah, we all used to just, like, you know, transfigure ourselves and then just, like, yeet at a clobbering tree <laughs> so that our friend could go wolf out in private. Like... Yeah, you're it does right. not seem to have. Uh, Hogwarts doesn't give a shit about the safety and well-being of its children. I don't know why they would have started back then. Yeah, so maybe the teachers were like, "Here's what you do: like, go to this tree by yourself, go to the thing, become a werewolf." And but then the boys were like, "Okay, but what if we didn't go there? And to stay safe, we'll have this map." Or they were just like, what if you do that, but instead of us hanging around not doing anything, we instead came with you and we just need a way to get us out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. they, they would have had an invisibility cloak already. So it's really <gasps> just a matter of like getting from A to B without like bumping into anybody. I feel like they were up to a lot of shenanigans already and that they just wanted to figure out like a way to get around teachers. General shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. Just generally. I do forget that James also had the invisibility cloak. Like, I, I forget about that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think the the other thing to keep in mind here is that spells kind of work like German words, where you can just, like, layer <laughs> other concepts on top of yeah. each other and, like, relevant spells to create a new spell. Like, I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, we need tracking and, like, map making and, like 
a, a password encryption. And by stacking all of that together and thinking about it real hard in unison, you create the Marauders map. You see, this is why we truly need like a Marauders prequel that JK Rowling doesn't get to touch because like that would be so amazing to bear witness to. Like the way, like a whole movie about the Marauders just like figuring that out and like that would that would be so cool. Claire, I'm sure you agree. Um, yeah, so Claire, I guess our answer is we don't fucking know. But um, thank you for raising that question because it is, I mean, it's a thinker. I wonder, she she mentions Zonkos and I wonder if there's like, I wonder if they were inspired by some like baby version of this. You know what I mean? Like something a la Fred and George Weasley. And they were like, wait, what if we like really did this though? You know what I mean? Well, there are already things that can track people in the wizarding world, like the Weasley's clock. So we know that that's a product that exists. So I think it's just distilling that kind of magic into a map form. Yeah. Yeah. And getting it to like serve your needs, really. Because by the time Harry gets that map, that is a full service shenanigans uh, accoutrement necessity I'm just going to keep saying words. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Claire. We love getting emails um, about literally anything. We would love to read your email on the show. So please feel free to shoot us an email about something we're going to talk about, something we just talked about, something we forgot to talk about at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. So let's get to the chapter. Um, It starts with a cute little montage, a cute little changing of the season's montage. Harry's euphoria at finally winning the Quidditch Cup lasted at least a week. (laughs) Like, this whole sequence is exactly what's happening to me right now in my life. Like, I'm finishing up my last semester of grad school. All I want to do is just, like, walk around outside. There's nothing that makes you want to focus when it finally gets warm. You just want to be outdoors. The classes I'm in right now suck a little extra hard, so I've just been hating being in them currently. I'm so sorry. Well, at least they're almost over. Yeah, we're getting Um, close. Much like Hogwarts. Circling back crushed it Um, Um, i had a question about this so it says as june approached are they in school till fucking june they're in school until june 1st i think is the end of term it's crazy okay yeah because like wow that's late is that late i don't have kids well i mean i went to alexis and i i think we're in the same school district and we went until mid-june what yes you i remember specifically because i would go to swim practice right when the pools opened and I would still have to go to school, which was like, mm-hmm. you know, Memorial Day or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Memorial when did you Day start? before Labor Day. The day after Labor Day. Oh, okay. That that makes more sense. Would you go I in started, August? I started in mid August and ended mm. in like early to mid May. If you live anywhere other than the east coast of the United States, tell us what your school year looked like. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time I was road tripping around the West Coast. And we were hitting, like, California, Oregon, and Washington. And we basically were, like, in each state one week. And we just kept running into different packs of spring breakers because the spring break for each state was offset by a week, depending (laughs) on how much snow they were expecting. Oh, my God. So it was, like, we were in California spring break, and then we went north, and we were in Oregon spring break, and then we went north, and we were in Washington spring break. So we were joking. We were on, like, a three-month spring break. So many months. Everyone who was around us. That's hilarious and exhausting. (laughs) It's hard enough to be on spring break for a week, dude. I don't think I could do it now. I'm too old. Oh, I would, I would fuck that shit up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that, that tracks perfectly because it really is the drinking that kills you. 
Yeah, actually. Just like, I can't not drink this morning, but I just can't drink this morning. I used to be able to hang so much better then, though. Now I can't hang as well anymore. Uh, yeah. Um, newts. So we mentioned owls and newts here. This is our first mention of owls and newts. Yeah, Fred and George are taking their owls. Percy's taking his newts. Yeah, I wrote that. I just wrote that like, this is the first time I remember any mention of like exams because I feel like at the in Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, it was like shit was going down and they missed everything. So it was like we didn't hear anything about it. They did take their exams in Sorcerer's Stone, but they got canceled in Chamber of Secrets uh, because of the collective trauma. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, that's the thing is like if the if the headmaster of the school can just be like, you know what, exams don't really matter and we're not going to do it this year. How do, you, how do you just take them seriously the next year? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. You might, like, do unnecessarily risky shit to try to be like, okay, if one person can die, we know that all of this gets canceled. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, Buckbeak's not going to cut it. Um, this is not what Newt stands for, is it? Is this really what Newt stands <laughs> yeah, what for? Yeah, what was it again? Nastily exhausting wizarding tests. That's crazy. That can't be right. <laughs> I don't know, man. Wizards are silly. They dude. are silly. That no, that can't be right. You can't have owls, your ordinary wizarding levels, which sounds completely fucking normal, and then jump to just like, ah, uh, these these tests, man, they gonna fuck you up. <laughs> They're nasty. We got to put it in the name. It's going to be bad. <laughs> You're going to be tired. You're going to come out of this test feeling like you got run over by a goddamn dump truck. The fact that it's nastily exhausting. like So British. It is very British. If this is what they actually stand for, this might be the worst writing we have encountered yet in the series. <laughs> Because it's so clearly ham-fisted. It's like when you're listening to like an improv performer and they do like a you know what are these called it's not an acronym yeah no no it it is an acronym an acronym when you yeah. when you can't pronounce it as a word it's called an initialism okay so it's like when improv performers are doing acronyms and they just like it's whatever word comes to their head first because yeah. you're starting with the acronym instead of a thing that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she was like that bitch was like yeah i wanted to be owls and newts and then she was just like oh there's no Mad lib it in there, quick. <laughs> well, maybe here's an, a potential in-world explanation. They're like, okay, ordinary wizarding levels, owls, okay. And then like a man named Newt, not Newt Scamander, but it's obviously a common name, different man, invented the Newt test. And then people were like, wow, these are terrible and reverse engineered that name after nastily enduring them. Guys, this is this is real. This is on the fandom wiki. I just Googled it. This is what newts stand for. I, God, why? I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad okay. and I want to do a line of t-shirts that's just like the word newt, but it's like a billion other things that this could be that are better. So what? Let's give it something better. Um... Not easy wizarding test. <laughs> That's descriptive. What about what about national excellence wizarding tests? Mm-hmm. Or education? Yeah, national education wizarding tests makes so much more sense than nastily exhausting. 
<laughs> but is the Wizarding World, you know, just a national test or is it a worldwide test? I don't know. Or if say. to that point, does the Wizarding World make sense? No. no <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> um, okay, so my next note is and then there's Hermione. <laughs> Harry and Ron like get their hands on her exam schedule and like <laughs> they keep being they keep finding evidence and being like hey and then like the next week they find more evidence and they're like hey wait a second <laughs> they just like don't care enough to like really dive in you know they're like ah I guess they are straight up the Scooby Doo game <laughs> yes. that is already halfway through the episode and they're like I think it's still definitely a ghost <laughs> Yes, they're um, like, I think this is mildly interesting, but I don't care enough to ask more than just a simple question. And then she says an answer, and I'm okay with that. When Ron and Hermione were fighting, Ron was kind of obsessed about it, which I understand. But now that they've made up, he kind of has dropped it at least, like, to her. And I think by now they're just, like, so distracted by exams that they... But but they find this exa- her exam schedule, her timetable, because we're British... Um, which clearly lists two different instances of her being scheduled to take two exams at the same time, much like her classes. And they're like, what is this? And she's like, basically, fuck off. (laughs) She's like, yes, it is correct. Well, and I wonder if she like, I wonder if she like has already decided she's not doing this again next year. And I wonder if she like will be allowed to tell them later. If she's like, honestly, if you just shut the fuck up for one more week, I can literally tell you what's going on. (laughs) Do you think that she would, I mean, if the whole, the whole fucking thing hadn't gone down with Buckbeak, etc., like, do you think she would have told them after the semester was over? I just kind of can't even believe that people, like, they expect the people using the time turners to, is that what they're called? Am I calling it the wrong thing? Yeah. Okay. Time turners. You're, you're confused because <laughs> I just said timetable. That, like... They're going to fucking keep a secret. These are fucking kids. How old are they supposed to be in this book? Thirteen. They can't keep a fucking secret. How do they expect her to keep a fucking secret about this bullshit? It's impossible. Honestly, I want to know, and I know we've talked about this a fair amount before, but I want to know who the fuck came up with this idea. Because I don't think Hermione came up with this idea. It surely had to have come from her being like, hey, I want to take all these classes. And McGonagall's like, you can't. And she's like, but what if I really want to? And McGonagall literally just like rolls her eyes and is like, okay, there's a thing we've done like five times in the history of the school. And like, you seem pretty cool, but like, I gotta let you know this is gonna suck real bad. It's like yeah. so much responsibility. Like, <clears throat> obviously you see how they change uh, destiny and uh, uh, but, well, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's the craziest thing. Yeah, I guess you just have to, like, kind of, like, McGonagall is probably, like, I know Hermione, and if she thinks this is, like, really important. Like, for example, I think if I had wanted to take those classes, McGonagall would have been, like, no. (laughs) You can't keep a secret, and you're super clumsy, and you already kind of suck at class, so no. (laughs) Just because it was Hermione. But, like, she's still a very young girl. Like, I can't, you can't, I don't know, say that you're still going to be that same girl at the end of the year. You know what I mean? As you see that like, she's not. Yeah, absolutely. She grows up a lot during this week. Yeah. 
I feel like Hermione made a case for it. I feel like Hermione was like, how am I supposed to know what career path to take if I don't get to try everything? You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't matter because there are only two, two, three actual careers in the wizarding world. You can teach at Hogwarts, you can work for the government, you can own your own shop. Oh, yeah. I was about to say nurse, but those also work for the school or the government, so. Yeah, yeah. It's literally just government you can School. be a magical entrepreneur. bartender. That's an entrepreneur. You could be an author. <laughs> oh, yeah, an author. Yeah, I guess explorer. You could be a scholar. A scholar, explorer, author is like a fourth category yeah. that they all just seem to accept. It's like in the same category as like artist. Ooh, I would love to see some magical fine arts. Me too. I haven't thought about that until right now. Surely there must be because of the moving paintings. Right. But something like cooler than that, like more immersed, more than just like a TV. You know what I mean? Like something, you go to like the, the, like a modern art museum and you're like, oh shit. The modern wizarding art museum. Yeah. Um, so Hermione, nope, not Hermione. A lot, a lot of H names in this book. Um, Hedwig, different character. Um, although equally beautiful and amazing, comes with a letter from Hagrid um, with the date of Buckbeak's appeal, um, which is the same day that the kids finish their exams. So the the ministry people are planning to come to Hogwarts for that, and they're bringing the executioner. So like it seems pretty pretty much like a closed case. Um, it's not good, and and the kids are like the injustice, and it's like you don't even fucking know the definition of injustice. Just you fucking wait. I really do like how. They portray the empathy in these young children, though. Like, that's a really important thing. When I was reading this chapter, I was like, they could have been like, ah, fuck it. Like, uh, who cares about Buckbeak? Like, I don't care. You know, like, that's a very normal feeling for a young teen or, you know, preteen to feel. It's like, I don't give a shit about this fucking bird. But they're like, they really care about Hagrid. They really care about the bird. and They care about, you know. I don't know. They care a lot and they really show a lot of empathy in this chapter. And I like how they, how that bitch told us about it because a lot of kids need to learn empathy and they're not just like born with it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I really like that part. And I also like that they're showing like big Gryffindor empathy. You know what I mean? Because like different houses would have approached this differently, I think. Um, but Gryffindor is like the injustice, like, let's go, like, let's do something, let's say something. Whereas I think a Hufflepuff probably would have been in more of like a... <laughs> yep, that exact Exactly. Mood. So Malfoy's being super shitty about the execution of a living creature. Um, and the Golden Trio, they feel like they want to go visit Hagrid, but they can't because of all the security, which I guess stops them now, um, even though it has never, ever stopped them before. Well, they've they've lost the invisibility cloak. It's true. I think that that's a big part of their hubris. Why hasn't Harry gone back to get it yet? He explains it later in the chapter, but he's basically just like, if Snape sees me there ever again, I will most likely be expelled. And, like, Hermione goes and gets it in, like, two lines of the book. I know. She's like, like I, I just got it. Here it is. Do we think he was afraid to ask her? Like, what? I don't know why he didn't ask Ron. Yeah, just do anything. I wouldn't just leave my most prized possession in a place. I mean, they're just stupid, honestly. Yeah. 
Or, like, honestly, if you just even... I know that, like, there's just so many ways you could have done this differently. Like, I don't know if the other boys in his dorm, like, know about the invisibility cloak. But, like, but like take the whole fucking dorm with you and be like, we were just going to wherever. Why would I take six dudes to, like, rescue this? I don't know. I just feel like I would have made it happen. Um, so, exam week begins. Sucks to suck. I, I just have a list of classes. It's not very exciting. They do transfiguration and then they do charms. Charms is funny because it's cheering charms and Harry accidentally goes too hard on Ron who has to be led into a separate classroom for laughing, which I have literally been excused from a class for, class for laughing too hard before. Um, he has to get the laughs out before he can take his own exam. I think that's so funny. <laughs> For an hour. An hour not of just an, laughing. Not an insubstantial amount of time. Like, an an hour of laughter sounds like torture. Well, I was going to say it sounds like magical mushrooms. Sounds like a lot of <laughs> ab work, and then your yeah. face hurts, and you're just exhausted. Yeah, I think it's, like, the forced nature that is, like, so, like, like to what extent does it affect your brain chemistry, or are you, like, dead sober, it's like, just, ha, like, hysterically ha, 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 ha. laughing? <laughs> just, like, you look into their eyes, and it's just, like, panic, like, please save me. Well, it's a cheering charm. It's not just, like, a laughter charm. That's yeah. true. That's true. So I would guess that it's probably, it's a it's a feel-good laughter. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and, it's probably, like, one of those laughs where, like, you're laughing and you're like, I don't even remember what I'm laughing about, but it's hilarious <laughs> Honestly, still. I'm really surprised that this doesn't come back later in the books. Like, I'm sure Voldemort just forgot about it, but, mm-hmm. like, when they're on their whole, like, Horcrux hunt, and everything is desperate. Like, imagine just, like, casting some cheering charms You're on right. each other and then just, like, having a nice dinner. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would have resorted to that if I were them, but it probably would have been worse in the long run. And the to me, I'm thinking about people who have really, really bad depression taking, like, Molly or something, and then it, like, the next, like, week is, like, so much harder. You know what I mean? Were they because- trying not to use their wands? I can't remember exactly what... I don't think they were trying not to use their wands. I think they were trying I can't to just be hidden all the time. <laughs> Maybe their the hysterical laughter would have been too loud. <laughs> yeah. So hysterically laughing. Okay. So then they do care of magical creatures. All they have to do is keep a flubber worm alive for an hour because Hagrid is like not okay. <laughs> so this says that it's like easy because flubber worms flourish best if left to their own devices right mm-hmm. i would fail this exam and here's <laughs> why and maybe this is just my extreme ravenclaw nature but this feels like those quizzes that teachers would give you on like the second day of school to like teach you to follow directions where it's like mm. don't answer any of these questions just write your name on the paper and bring it back up to me and like you look at it and i'm like look i'm following the directions i'm gonna do this but this still feels like a risk like I would say that this in particular would be like challenge. Like I would, I would fail. I would think this is a trick. Well, it's like the the plant that does not need water, and you have to like really try to like not water it. You know, it took me forever to stop killing aloe plants. <laughs> yeah, and aloe's I, the one. I still kill a lot of like succulents that I get on accident because I I want to tend to them, and doing so kills them. I have really serious trouble with succulents. Don't tell my TikTok persona, Professor Sprout, but I really kill all of them except for my giant aloe and like nothing works ever. And like, I don't know what my problem is. 
it's literally they, they just thrive on neglect. So like I, I would find that if I was faced with this particular challenge, I would want to do something and in doing something, I would kill it and I would fail. I have also uh, killed a many a succulent and <laughs> I I just tell myself they were doomed from the start. I was like this was a doomed <laughs> succulent. It gave it was given to me with a sickness and it died. It was cursed. Because I have two I mean I have one that's still alive and I have another cactus that's still alive and so I'm like I'm good at neglecting plants, let me tell you, but some of them are just doomed from the start. Brooke, I'm envisioning you during this test going up and being like, I need some lettuce for my flubberworm. And Hagrid being like, do you? And you being like, yeah, I just want to make sure it's okay. And he's like, are you sure? <laughs> and you're like, um, yeah, I just want to see if it wants it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, 100%. I would, or I would be like, literally like, because it seems like it's pretty freeform conversation with the flubberworms out. <laughs> I would literally just being like, are you doing anything? Are we supposed to do anything? It feels like we're supposed to do something. Are you doing anything? <laughs> yeah. And then there's me being like, oh, no, like, it's, don't, you, don't even, you don't even actually have to do anything. And you're like, I feel like that's wrong if you're so confident about it. <laughs> right. Potions is next, which is, quote, an unqualified disaster. What the fuck does that phrase I, mean? I don't know. I I think it it's un... Okay. I'm going to break this down. Break it down. <laughs> It is a disaster with no back-end qualifications. There's no qualifiers to add to that that would make it a bigger success. So it's just, so, just like a flat disaster. Right. It's a disaster. There's. It's not a disaster, but at least the potion was the right color. It's unqualified. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a big word for this book. Like, I've never, I don't think I've ever encountered that, but I, I love what it means. It's like putting a zero before a decimal. It's like extra nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then they have astronomy at midnight. Cool. Wish we got to see more of that class. It sounds kind of cool. Um, history of magic and then herbology. Um, in this illustration, for some reason, even though herbology is like one sentence, this chapter has a beautiful illustration of the herbology greenhouses that I'll post today on Instagram. Like, it's really beautiful. I love it so much. It's like very tall. Uh. <laughs> and made out of glass. I edit out all my burps. It's fine. I'm mostly fine with all of these, but I object to the defense against the dark arts exam being a tough mutter. Being a what? A tough mutter. It's a tough mutter. <laughs> You're completely right. It is a tough mutter. It's like... What does that mean? What the fuck are you guys saying to each other? It's it's a it's an obstacle course race that people run where they have to do things like swim through pits of mud and like climb towers and stuff. That explains why I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's an obstacle course full of dark creatures. Yeah. Um. I I kind of like it. Why don't you like it? Because it's like uh, they don't really address this. But if people are going one at a time, there's got to be some sort of time limit to this. And like I'm just like unathletic, and so I would just be worried. Oh, so basically. you're worried it's too PE heavy? Yeah. Like this is defense against the dark arts, not flying i guess we did that once and then never again what happened to flying classes i'm way off track we only get one you only get one <laughs> and, then, and then and then it's either you're seeker or you're not seeker. <laughs> you get one flying class and either you're a jock or you're a fucking nerd for the rest of your life no time to practice no time to get better don't worry about tryouts you either do this or you can't well maybe after that first 
first lesson where you literally learn how to ride a broom in emergencies, like a bike lesson. Maybe it's like you can opt into more lessons and Ron and Hermione were like, no. And it's like, well, Harry, obviously you don't need to take it because you're born this way. Yeah, it's like an optional college PE class. Like, you can take it if you want, but, like, it doesn't mean shit. (laughs) We can go bowling for one credit if you want to. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I didn't really think about the physical aspect of this. To me, it doesn't feel physical. It feels more like, uh, but I guess, like, mud. It's both. like, a pond. Yeah. Yeah, as someone who hikes a lot, like, even just walking through, like, what appears to be, like, weightable marshes or mud is, like, a lot of physical effort. hmm Yeah. Well, I guess Lupin's whole idea is, like, you're in it. Like, you've got to be in it. If you can't hang, then you're out. And that's it. it this is almost a little Mad-Eye Moody type. Like, you're going to got to get in the trenches. You yeah. You got to know what it feels like to be in the mud and being confused by a hinky punk. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, by the by? I don't know what that is. Okay, a hinky punk sounds like a smart-ass kid, you baby. Yeah. You, the goddamn hinky punk, shut the fuck up. <laughs> what is a hinky punk? Um, I get hinky punk. I think, I don't really know. It's, the one I always know is like a grindy low, is like the grabby one. Um, hinky punk, I don't know, it gives bad directions, I don't know. <laughs> so Ron gets stuck there. Harry does very well, obviously, because he's great at defense against the dark arts. Um, Ron gets stuck by a hinky punk who's giving him bad directions, which frankly seems like the easiest thing to not fall prey to, but that's fine. I don't know. I can see it. Like, if someone's... It's like how if, like, a kid is constantly asking you questions as you're doing something, no matter how hard you try to focus on the thing you're doing, you're liable to fuck it up. Mm, okay. You know? Like, yeah, if there's okay. just a kid next to you being like, can we get chocolate when we're done? Can we get ice cream? I like <laughs> ice cream. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? And you're just, like, trying to make a sandwich, and you're literally standing there. You realize at a point where you're just standing there looking at your countertop, like, I have bread. <laughs> and what was I doing? Uh, that children. makes sense, yes. <laughs> the ADD fall prey to the hinky punk. So what I'm hearing is that a hinky punk is is just a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hermione, classic. Um, she gets stuck at the Bogart. I think this is like a pretty classic Hermione moment. The Bogart turns into Professor McGonagall saying that Hermione has failed everything. So this really goes to show that your Bogart can change like almost week to week, you know, depending on what you're like most concerned of about your anxiety it just controls you i'm like kind of disappointed in hermione in this though like i know it's it's uncreative uh, well and also she's just like like bitch why are you getting spooked out by a bogart like you know what's going on she's sleep deprived <laughs> i don't i just, it's like it, it makes me mad that we've like set up this scenario in which she's apparently smart enough to manage a time turner and take like 19 classes but then she seems to do pretty average to fair almost poor on a lot of her exams. Yeah. I think she realized she spread herself too thin. Yeah. Um, One other thing about this that just rubs me the wrong way from a writing standpoint is that when we, like at the beginning of the book, when we're at our Bogart lesson, Hermione and Harry just like, just don't take their turns. And I think like Harry doesn't go for a reason that we learn. We were worried it's going to be Voldemort, but Hermione evidently doesn't go so that this can be a joke here. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it probably would have been something similar at that point. Um, and it's like we wanted to save the punchline for exam time. So, Because why else would she have been the only other student who didn't go? 
Would do you okay? So obviously the professors knew about the time turner. Do you think similarly Lupin might have been worried that it would have been like her <gasps> revealing her. herself or something to do with the time turner? Interesting. Well, I almost feel like you shouldn't teach the Bogart lesson then. <laughs> he didn't care. Hey, why? Why would you miss an opportunity to make everyone live out their traumas in front of their <laughs> peers? <laughs> oh, um. Okay, so they were walking up to the school for lunch, and they encounter Cornelius Fudge. I'll say it again, a man so shitty that there is not enough information about him to do a Behind the Bastards episode about him. (laughs) I did write pinstripe cloak, because I was like, that's so muggle of him, you know? Honestly, a pinstripe cloak sounds dapper as hell. (laughs) (laughs) But only because we're muggles. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. Imagine a pinstripe cloak on, like, Dan Levy over, like, an all-white suit. Oh, how dare you? That's, That's kind amazing. of sexy. Like, you're into it now, right? Oh, I'm so into it. Can he have a monocle? Yeah. I'm thinking of this at probably not as, like, a full cloak, but, like, a mid-waist cloak. Okay, imagine Dan Levy's, like, <laughs> amazing facial expressions, but, like, with a monocle. I would love to see that because I feel like he would have a hard time keeping it in one eye because I feel like he would just try to expand them. Too yeah, much. he does. Or he would like really learn to work with it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so Cornelius Fudge, basically the president, is like, what up, Harry? And Ron and Hermione are like, oh, I don't know what to do right now. Because what would you do if Joe Biden came up to your best friend and was like, yo, what up, Alexis? And I'm just like, oh, hey, Joe Biden. <laughs> well- even worse, it's like if Joe Biden walked up to your best friend and your best friend was like, fuck this dude, we're beefing. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> and and Joe Biden's like, I'm here to murder your friend's pet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that like the minister for magic doesn't need to be involved in. Yeah, it seems like a lot for him to be there. I, I think that he has to be there so that Dumbledore cannot stop it. I think that, like, his presence is, like, what prevents Dumbledore from stepping in. Because I think that these two ministry dudes would respect Dumbledore coming in and being like, we're not doing this. And so, and so Fudge is like, I'll come too. It's almost like when I'm, like, emailing a frustrating client and I just, like, casually CC my boss to be like, he knows. I love the casual CC of everyone above them who's relevant. <laughs> oh, you're fighting with the accounting department? I have no lie. CC'd our goddamn CFO onto an email to be like, yeah, I don't understand why this is such a problem that I can't get this single authorization to make us more money. Maybe Mike will know. Mike is our CFO. <laughs> love it. Shady workplace stuff. Um, and that's why he put on his most dapper pinstripe cloak to really bring the presence against Dumbledore's excellent fashion sense. Okay, so the second guy is an executioner. The, the two of the two committee for the disposal of dangerous creatures dudes. Yeah, one's just like real old and that's all, all we learn about him. He does the <laughs> paperwork. <laughs> so old. Yeah, he does the fucking paperwork. And then there's an executioner. Okay, I have questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you decide that your job is going to be executioner? Yeah. Um, is this guy an animal only executioner? Or does he also <gasps> execute people? Here's my question. Even though we're in the middle of a school campus right now, do you envision him looking like the executioner from Shrek? Because I do. Absolutely. 
<laughs> just like casually walking around with like a hood and an axe. They they like don't mention it. They even say that he has a black mustache, so we know we can see his face. But like, I can't imagine anything else. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I it almost to me feels like um like for Muggles like roadkill duty. It's like you got into this department and like you just got the short end of the stick. But are they killing this many people that they need an executioner? Is he a contractor? Does he otherwise do pest control? I need to know oh. everything about this guy's backstory because we later learn that he's friends with Lucius fucking Malfoy. What the fuck is that about? Lucius Malfoy is friends with the murderer, the murderer for hire that the Ministry of Magic keeps on retainer for cutting the heads off of animals? Well, I need to know more. More than anything else, I would think that hippogriff executioner is... A little bit more of a blue-collar job, and I'm not sure Lucius Malfoy would be hanging around with that type, you know? Exactly. Or is this like a passion? And that brings up another question. Is this just a passion (laughs) passion project for him? Passion. He's a passion for murder. Okay, well, that is certainly alarming, and I would not allow him at a school, for starters. Like, is he a trust fund kid who just murders animals on the side? Wow. That's alarming. Like how most rich kids end up working at nonprofit organizations because they're like, it's okay, my parents buy my car. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there must be his story. I mean, there's obviously real executioners still alive in our world these days. How do they become who they become? You know? I- there isn't, though. When they do executions and stuff like that at prisons, it's doctors. Is it? Oh, and I don't think you need a doctor to axe a hippogriff's head <laughs> So I think it may be, well, the, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing is, there's a whole department, disposal, disposal of dangerous creatures. So I do think that it's just like glorified pest control mm. that sometimes involves murder. Like, that must be the most depressing place to work. It's like in. animal control. Unless, mm-hmm. unless this dude is usually like taking down dragons and this is just the worst gig he's gotten in a while. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. There's a lot to explore. Maybe he's a magical creature himself that has a thirst for blood. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. Okay. Like a reverse animagus. Yes. (laughs) He just... He's... I just imagine him acting really strangely because he's like not very good at being a human. He's just a bogart, but because they tell you they're bringing an executioner, your worst fear is the executioner, so he's always the executioner. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's some Professor Trelawney logic. The thing you fear will happen on this day. And it's like, well, now I'm really fearing it because you said it would happen on that day. <laughs> um. Anyway... I- the executioner is there. He has an axe on his belt. It's not subtle. Ron is livid. And every time I try to type the word livid, for some reason, my fingers type living. So it says, my notes say Ron is, he is living. living for this. <laughs> Ron tries to square off against the minister of magic and executioner with a visible axe and one 400 year old dude. <laughs> Big Griff energy. <laughs> The Weasleys will throw down. I love that. Um, but Hermione's the one who's like, hey, your dad works for this guy, so let's not. And also this guy is an ex, just as a reminder. Um, so basically watch your mouth. Mr. Weasley reminds me of like enlisted military dudes 
because they end up with their families on base. And when they're like kids get into shit at school and stuff like that, like they'll literally call their dad to be like, hey, like, excuse me, sergeant, can you get your fucking child in order? And like, that's not uncommon in the military community that like your actions are like reflected upon your parents. So I feel like Mr. Weasley is just like the world's most tired senior enlisted soldier (laughs) who is stuck in a shitty department. He's like, he drew the short straw. He's an admin. He just fills out paperwork all day. But he and then loves every time, it, though. I know, but it's like every time his kids act up, it's like, hey, your kid punched my kid in the face at school. And you're like, <sighs> you're like I have so many goddamn kids. Yeah, he's at work and someone's like, I heard about your son. And he's like, which oh fucking God, son? Which, which one? And they're like, Percy. And he's like, thank fucking God. <laughs> There are, to be fair to him, there are a few good answers to that question. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, but I don't know how much people are hearing about Charlie and Bill these days. Maybe. Maybe they're doing cool shit. I feel like it's clear that they gave up on parenting around the time after Percy. You know, I would too. (laughs) Like, I I wonder how much Ron, Fred, and George have behavioral issues because they'd be like that, and how much it's just like their parents at that point were just like, I don't fucking know. You can't make toast. I'm leaving. Well, Ron's the fourth, right? I was the fourth and I was not raised one little tiny bit. My parents gave up after one. (laughs) It's me. I'm the one. (laughs) That was it. My brothers got nothing. They got credit cards and just all the freedom in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're also boys. So, you know, there's that whole other, uh, you know, sexist ideal that... Men can do a lot more things. They were completely wrong about my brother, Michael. But in their defense, Ryan, ever since he was born, has been the most mature member of our family. (laughs) The youngest shall prevail. That's so great. (laughs) 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 All right. So their last exam is divination. Hermione's going to muggle studies. But Ron and Harry have divination. When they get there, the whole class is waiting under the trap door as Trelawney is seeing each student individually. It reminds me of, like, language orals, right? Like, when you have to do a Spanish. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, please, I can't, no one can look at me. <laughs> uh, como se dice, please, I messed up. Can I go again? Shout out to my college Spanish professor who watched me use the wrong tense for an entire oral practical and at the end asked if I wanted to redo it and then watched the light bulb go off in my head as I was like, oh, yes, yes, I would love to do that again. (laughs) Oh, that's nice of her. Oh, yeah. I have never had such a nice Spanish professor ever. I was a very good language student and that was just like a general general genuine brain a general genuine brain fart <laughs> the the issue and i run into this a lot because um my husband dear michelle was not good at school growing up mm-hmm. mostly because he fucked off a lot mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it happens the problem is is like because he fucked off so much he got away with nothing and got no help but mm-hmm. because i always did things pretty much correct i got 9,000 times leeway when I would, like, fuck something up. Because I would just be like, you know this isn't me. Like, like, you're totally right. We'll give you an extra four days on that paper. This isn't like you at all. (laughs) Whereas for him, he'd be like, hey, I'm trying to put actual effort into this. Can I have an extra day? And they'd be like, no, you're clearly fucking around. This is your personality. You are like this forever now. 
<laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I was definitely more in like the mic side of that. Um, but not in Spanish. I freaking good at Spanish. Um, so as each person comes out of their divination exam, they all refuse to say like what it was, which pff, I would never. I'd be I'd come out and I'd be like, don't even worry, just make up some shit. It's a crystal ball. She tells Neville that if um he tells what the exam was, something horrible will happen. I was like, I wish that I could say that type of shit to kids to like scare the <laughs> fuck out of them. Like I'm gonna fucking you're someone's gonna come for you if you don't do this. Like you get fucking fired if you did that shit. Like how well, many here, here's the thing with Neville is whether or not he tells something horrible is gonna happen. <laughs> Everything horrible happens to him. Yeah. I don't quite understand why they're all so confused here. I mean, from everything we've seen, they've gotten to exactly two things this semester, and it was tea leaves and crystal balls. And as a reminder, when Professor Ceylani started their crystal ball unit, she said, the fates have told me that this will be on your exam, so we need to start it early. (laughs) Obviously. So they already fucking knew. And then everybody's sitting at the bottom of the steps like, what could it possibly be? (laughs) That is the day that Hermione quit when Trelawney said that Hermione said, for goodness sake. But I'm like, sure is how is this says. even a class, though? Like, I just, <laughs> I mean, not that I don't love it. I did want to show you my cup of destiny, which I have here. Oh, oh my God. That's <laughs> I told really cool. You, I told you that I was going to start trying to read tea leaves. And that's amazing. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going to bring it out and I'll show her so she can see. But then I started reading the chapter and I was like, oh, it's crystal balls i don't have my crystal ball today (laughs) i just don't understand how this is a fucking class like obviously you need to be able to have the sight to see into the crystal ball you can't just fucking teach it obviously i don't i don't get it that's the thing is like if you test on tea leaves they can at least interpret the tea leaves using a book which is like a scholarly pursuit to some extent but like yeah just make shit up it's like when Haley took a whole class that was just writing a book. It was like, go sit and make shit up. <laughs> just make I mean, it up. Honestly, there's no reason Harry didn't. There's no reason Harry failed this. Because you could basically use like classic mind reader techniques to figure out what she thinks you should be seeing. A grim, perhaps. <laughs> well, I mean, but no, because he's literally like, she's like, what do you see? And he's like, uh, a dark shape. And she's like, what does it resemble? I think if you just kept with that line of question, mm. questioning and you were just like, oh, it looks like it may have the head of a dog. And if she's like, uh, you're like, oh, mm, maybe not a dog, more of a <laughs> snout, maybe a, a wolf. Like, I mean, I feel like you could just kind of like do what mind reader, like magician mind readers do where they're like, does anyone have like someone in their lives whose name started with an A and then people are like, Alexandra? It's and like, he's like, yes, yes, Alexandra. Like, a you could 100% drift your way through this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Harry and Ron are just, to be perfectly honest, way too dense for divination and for faking divination. Yeah, so he 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 claims the dark shape is a hippogriff because that's what he's thinking about right now. And like, I, I kind of support that invention because it's like that's something that's happening that's like a um let's say like um if you subscribe to the multiverse theory that's where the universes would diverge right it's like at the moment of like does buckbeak live or die 
Um, and so Trelawney believes he may be seeing, quote, the outcome of poor Hagrid's trouble with the Ministry of Magic. And I, at first, I liked the way she phrased it because it seemed really sympathetic and supportive. But then later she's disappointed when Harry's like, no, the hippogriff is definitely still alive. She's like, well, that sucks. She's like, ah, no blood. No, <laughs> his head is still on. I think it's because she thinks she's also seeing this along with Harry. Oh, she's projecting it to him. (laughs) She's seeing death, so he can't be seeing anything else. Because otherwise, how would you grade this? (laughs) Because she's just the worst, honestly. She's a terrible person. Okay, let's talk about this because, (laughs) Alexis, what did I text you um, yesterday? Oh, yeah. Be ready to talk about Trelawney. <laughs> you were like, get ready to talk about, is Trelawney for real? Just generally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like to get everyone's perspective about this because we've had a couple practicing witches on the podcast who talk about like the extent to which she may or not have been, you know, the extent to which she may have been faking, interpreting, and genuinely making predictions. I mean, this chapter, I think it I think it goes from hard bullshit to hard seeing real fast. Like, do we think So, what's the what's the consensus about like how many times she has had a real like vision? Like There's twice? no consensus. Okay. There's no consensus on this podcast because some on one extent, uh, like on one end of the spectrum, there's like Andrew, who's like, she is 100% bullshit all the time, except for l- the literal two predictions she makes ever. Okay. And then there's, as I said, the witches on the other side who are like, she's usually, she's using like energy. They have a more nuanced understanding of like exactly what she's doing. Well, I feel like this is like a good, like, example of like, she doesn't even know she's doing it. Like, how the fuck is anyone else supposed to know she's doing it? Like, maybe these are the only two times that she's ever made a prediction in front of someone else, you know, as opposed to, like, she probably does no idea how many times she's just, like, started talking and not known that she's even said anything because she was like, oh, I fell asleep. I could see this being, though, the reason that she locks herself away from the rest of the world because imagine if this happened fairly frequently to her And, like, you grow up as a kid and, like, people treat you real weird because every now and then you have, like, a disassociative episode. It's almost like being, like, narcoleptic or, like, having seizures or something. I would say it sounds more to me like like what I've read people's experiences with, like, disassociative identity disorder is. Where it's, like, something else takes over your mind completely and you may have some consciousness of it, but you may be kind of blacked out from it. And then when that thing peels back, it lets you regain control of yourself. And so, like, I... Like, I imagine it could be a thing where this happens quite frequently and her way of, like dealing with that scenario is just that she locks herself away from the rest of the world so no one else has to be there when this happens interesting i agree that it is sort of like disassociating but like usually you kind of have like a you feel like that was like in the back of your mind somewhere you know and she was like i have no idea what you're fucking talking about you know yeah and and the prophecy of like the late of the order of the phoenix the prophecy i don't think she ever knows anything about that which has always really pissed me off that like dumbledore gets that knowledge and she doesn't you know 
Um, yeah, Trelawney is really interesting, dude, because like you can't say that she's not like reading tea leaves. You know, like she definitely could have studied and like really learned to understand like the nuances of those kinds of like physical interpretations. There's ways to practice witchcraft without having a gift for the sight. Or maybe she just gets real high. Maybe she just gets real high. And I did say practice witchcraft just now, which obviously this is a school for witchcraft. I meant, <laughs> I meant divination. Divination. <laughs> maybe she does just get real high. I think I've said in a recent episode that the, she strikes me as this whole room strikes me as just big opium den vibes. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, and well, perfumed. Someone said weed, and I'm like, but the way she acts is way more opium than weed. Well, and like they say every time, they're like, oh, the room was like oppressively warm, and it made you dizzy in the head just to be in there. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, dude, like either this is an opium den or the entire place is hotboxed. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone who is not super into weed describe the smell of weed as perfume-like. Yeah, no, that's a skunk right there. That's just concrete there. Um, okay, guys, we got a lot to get through. What are we doing? Um, okay, so Harry, uh, Trelawney is disappointed in his crystal fake crystal ball reading. So she um, dismisses him. He gets up to leave, but then she starts talking. And I did not read this in the intro. I considered doing it, but dramatic readings aren't my forte. So instead, I just read the bit where Lupin does his obstacle course because I can read that kind of thing. This is horrifying. This is actual horror movie shit because you get the like a loud, harsh voice spoke behind him, which is not what we usually get from mm-hmm. Chelani. And just says it will happen tonight. Which by uh, itself would that would that would chill me to my bone. Zuh. Harry wheeled around. Professor Trelawney had gone rigid in her armchair. Her eyes were unfocused and her mouth was sagging. Okay, what would you assume was happening if you were Harry? Um, honestly, I don't even fucking know. We have been through some spooky ass shit in this series (laughs) thus far, and this creeps me out the most. I would go into the Chamber of Secrets before I would be (laughs) in this room right now. It's hard because we don't know, like, to what extent Harry has any kind of, like, actual, like, what I'm trying to get at is, like, for example, I've studied, like, Greek mythology and literature a lot, and so, like, I've read about, like, the Oracle of Delphi, right? And so, like, if I was, like, she says she's psychic and this is happening to her, my adult studied brain might be, like, this is a prophecy channeling from, like, the gods. But without that background knowledge, my first instinct would be seizure or stroke. (laughs) Right? Yes, a stroke is uh, what they're kind of describing, I feel Mm -hmm. like. But, yeah, like you said, like the background knowledge of her supposedly being like a seer or whatever, then you would just assume that she's making a prophecy. But it is it is scary nonetheless. Oh, yeah. It's the kind of thing where even if you're like, yeah, like a prophecy would be cool, then it's happening and you're like, oh, it's not cool. <laughs> like, But like, let's take a moment to remember the scene here. Harry is the last person to take this exam. Mm-hmm. So he is alone in a like overly warm, like hazy astronomy tower where he feels like he's going to pass out with just this like quiet, frail kind of crazy woman. Mm-hmm. And like you're far away from anyone else. And all of a sudden she just goes slack jawed and like stares at you and starts shouting. I would leave 
I would leave. Like, if someone says it would happen tonight, I would turn around, see her, and be like, I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> um, I probably would not leave. Um, I probably would put a lot of space between me and her until I, like, could assess the situation. Um, especially because she keeps talking, right? Like, I probably would be like, I'm gonna listen. I'd probably whip out my phone, start recording, because I'm gonna need this later. I mean, it says Harry thought about running to the hospital wing. And, like, I think that's the right impulse. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, the helper in me is, like, I would try to help her in that It's just so crazy because you're so far from everything. You would almost need to go down and be, like, Sir Cadigan because his portrait is nearby (laughs) or something. Yeah, like, go alert someone. Yeah. There is something going terribly wrong here. Well, and not to be this way, but I probably would have been, like, Ron, dude... It's like a 20 minute walk back to the common room. Can you just wait for me? Like, I've been waiting this whole time. <laughs> Can just you stay right here? <laughs> imagine if, like, someone else heard her instead of Harry. I feel like if Hermione heard her instead of Harry, like, maybe she would have, like, gone and told oh. someone, you know? Yeah. And honestly, that would have been really interesting for Hermione, who, like, has very recently given up on divination. Or, on the flip side, someone like Lavender Brown, my hero, probably would know exactly what was happening and know exactly what to do. She would get out a piece of parchment. She would she would put a fucking damp washcloth on Trelawney's forehead and be like, go ahead, babe. Like, I'm here to listen. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> so, Trelawney says, basically, that the Dark Lord's servant has been chained for 12 years and will, will basically be able to break out tonight or whatever to reunite with Voldemort. A couple of things. Um, what? Well, just one thing. Um, does anyone else think it's interesting that she uses the phrase the Dark Lord? Which um, we learn in future books is really something that only his followers call him. Hmm. I didn't even think about it. But yeah, that's weird. I would say in this scenario, because she's clearly been overwhelmed by the power of prophecy, that because it, I could see it being someone else's perspective almost being pushed through her. Since it's kind of talking about his servant, I could see her use of the Dark Lord being related to the fact that she's talking about his servant. Interesting. Or maybe I've been reading Percy Jackson lately, so I just got mad Percy Jackson lore floating around in my head. A thing with names. You're not supposed to say the names of powerful things because bad, they'll hear you and they'll come for you. Well, I feel like maybe in the history, like, of the wizarding world, like, what is he going to be known as? Like, yeah, is he going to be known as... The Dark Lord? Is he going to be known as Voldemort? Is he going to be known as Tom Riddle? Is, what is Well, and not to get too deep with it, but I, I'm like, how do I even approach this? But like, okay, if you think of fucking Satan, how many names is he known by? Very many. Very many. Recently, he's known by Lil Nas X, which is a <laughs> shocking development. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Yeah, I love that a lot. Um, okay, that's my plug for this week is... Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> name. But, I mean, she's not, like... What What she doesn't say here is, is like, our lord and savior. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I guess technically the Dark Lord is what his 
followers call him. So maybe it is their way of saying our Lord and Savior. The the word Lord for sure is like, in some contexts, it carries a lot of weight. And in some contexts, it carries no weight, you know? Mm. Um, and I think calling yourself Lord Voldemort, you know, or like the Dark Lord, that's when it's like, how much weight does that really carry? <laughs> um, if Bridgerton taught me anything, I don't care about lords. <laughs> Give me a duke. Oh my god, I've been Give me a duke. I've been listening to the um fucking Bridgerton soundtrack <laughs> all day really? today. It's so sexy. Yeah, that's good shit. It is um, good shit. No, what I was gonna say is that like Voldemort has never had a problem with giving himself lame nicknames. Yeah. So, I mean, I could literally see him just, like, throwing shit at the wall with his followers. I, In my mind, Voldemort behind closed doors is a deeply uncool person. <laughs> We've so, all like, met Tom Riddle. I'm imagining, like, someone new comes in and they're like, here he is. This is him. And he's like, some call me Voldemort. Others <laughs> call me the Dark Lord. Others call me Radmix Cool Sticks. And, and I'm going <laughs> to leave it up to you. Uh, what you want to go with. But if you have anything else, you know, we're an open, collaborative environment. I mean, I'm definitely the head, but, like, I want you to feel like you can bring things to me. And I'm known in the Northeast as Gasmanius Master. Some call me Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Tom. Oh. Timmy Tam Tam. <laughs> That's like gonna that be what one. I call Voldemort from now on. Timmy Tam Tams. Um, what are those delicious chocolate biscuits? Tim Tam. I was like, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, Tim Tam. That's what we. Call. I only know of those because of Christina knowing them from you, Brooke. <laughs> I'm circle of life. Forever now, just gonna call Voldemort Timmy Tam. Tim Tam. Which is funny because it doesn't even have the word Tom in it, Tam. so I'm here for it. It's Tim like, Tam Slam. It's like a silly nickname, and also we can't even remember his actual name. <laughs> Whatever that fucking guy's name. <laughs> All right, so Professor Jelani, like, kind of wakes up. She's a little embarrassed. She's like, ooh, I fell asleep. <laughs> okay, what would you do? If you're someone's at home crying all alone on the bedroom floor. No, what would you do <laughs> if you just like kind of came to? I mean, I'm assuming. I'd be like, oh, did I pass the fuck out? Like, okay. I would be like, did I pass out? Like, would you um, think it was like a medical passing out? Because that's probably what I would yes, assume. Yes, medical. I, like, fainted weirdly. I wouldn't be like, oh, I lost my. I, I don't know. I wouldn't think. I mean, unless I was like very, very old. Yeah, or, like, really, like, deliriously exhausted, like, 72 hours into being up all night. Yes, I would think it was medical. Mm -hmm. Here's my perspective on this. Okay. I have always been the sober friend. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Kids in college black out a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have lived through an experience where you woke up after a blackout night and someone's just staring at you and they're like, so last night was wild. Okay, but here here's the thing, though. She's just, like, at work. <laughs> <laughs> she's not drunk. Well, maybe she well, is. Well, maybe the opium, though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if she's, like, living in a perpetual opium den, I could see her passing out and, like, coming to and being, like... And someone's like, hey, you made a... You told me that the Dark Lord was going to return? <laughs> and she's like, Oops. if you don't have that on camera, I'm not going to believe that. <laughs> 
She's like, that is the craziest thing. I would never say such a thing. Surely not. That is not me. And then you turn around the cell phone and it's them eating the whole box of pizza and reciting Shakespeare. And you're like, no, that's really what happened, bud. Oh, my God. That reminds me of the day after my wedding. I forget who was like talking to me about doing push-ups. And I was like, I didn't do push-ups. And they showed me a video of me (laughs) on my wedding day in my dress with a backpack on for some reason, maybe for extra weight, doing push-ups. On the floor of a brewery. Yeah, I want to see that video. Who has that? Yeah, video? I don't. Know. I don't remember. That was was that you, Brooke? No. Who told me that? Whoever you are, <laughs> send please me the video reach out. Of me doing push-ups on my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, I could imagine Trelawney like coming back out of this and being like, "I refuse to believe that you." <laughs> I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Do you have proof? You don't have proof? Okay, then no one's going to believe you. Whatever. (laughs) Fucking suck it, loser. Leave. Well, that does answer my next question, which is, like, why is she so ready to not believe him when she, like, from my understanding, is so desperate to, like, have Right? Yeah, she should be like, oh, my God, I did it, finally. But honestly, Brooke's explanation kind of tracks with that. Yeah, you know, it does. Like, oh, I didn't say anything weird at all like I, to you. I just smoked too much opium. She's like, I have to get through a long day of exams. Like, I'm going to need this opium. <laughs> it's literally the scenario from Ballad of Ricky Bobby where he's like, hey, you made, you gave me this profound piece of information. And his dad goes, oh, hell, Ricky, I was high when I said that. <laughs> Oh, I love a Ricky Bobby reference. My favorite fan theory, though, comes from Harry in this moment. Okay. Because Harry goes, had he just heard Professor Trelawney make a real prediction? Or had that been her idea of an impressive end (laughs) to the test? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Harry. Which I love. That's my favorite explanation of her just at the end of everybody's exam, like going into a fake fugue state and being like, your grandmother will die in pain. (laughs) And then just being like, I'm sorry, what's up? You look startled. I must have fallen asleep. Bye. It it tracks because like, um, the last time we saw Trelawney, which was the day that Hermione quit divination, they were talking about how she liked to like wait in the curtains on the side of the room to make her like grand entrance. So like really it, it does track. I mean, we've talked about the fact that Trelawney's a drama teacher before. And I I could see this being the thing where the drama teacher is like, you did that scene poorly. You know, it's been a minute since I've acted, but let me take a shot at this monologue. <laughs> Um, do you guys think that Trelawney was well cast in the films? Yes. Yes. You do? Yes. I when I think when I was reading this, I was like, I just saw her, but like I had obviously read this before I watched the movie, but like still that she is very present in my brain because Yeah. I, I think she does it well. Um I I maybe want someone even like a little more creepy though cuz Emma Thompson to me is like so lovely. Uh, for me, I would have chosen perhaps Eartha Kitt. Um whom is Madame Zeroni from Holes. <laughs> okay. Like uh like almost like you are an old ancient thing. <laughs> like you But like I feel like that like, is more like of someone who I would believe as, you know, like I a see. seer. You know what I mean? Like you want someone who's like <laughs> a fucking hack, but at the same time someone who, you know, has their moments. 
But if it was Eartha Kitt, I'd be like, I believe everything you fucking Yeah, I guess say. you're completely right, because when she was like, you're going to be cursed, Stanley Yelnats or whatever, Elia Yelnats, you're like, oh shit, that's a curse right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a curse. <laughs> that's a curse. <laughs> Honestly, my um, dream casting for Trelawney would actually be TV Carpio, who I How know do you rings- even, Is that the letters? TV? Yeah, who rings- Next to Nobel's, but she she's um, Prudence in Across the Universe, the girl that like climbs in through the window, like oh, the tiny yeah yeah like the the tiny Asian girl yeah yes. So that would be my cast of Trelawney. Whoa, interesting. I think that would be really really cool. She's because in Across the Universe, she's able to pull off that kind of like like strung out hippie thing with moments of like traumatic clarity mm-hmm. and that so that would be who I would choose. Yeah, I think um I th- I I like that and I think Alexis you make a good point cuz everyone that I'm trying to cast in my head is too convincing. Well, that's the thing. Emma Thompson is like a character actress. Like she yeah. like if you I just watched her in what was that fucking show on HBO? Where she plays, uh, like, a, tr- a Trump-esque, like, female politician. And I believed her. I was like, I believe this bitch. Uh. Like, she's she's a very good actress, so yeah, I think she can she play is. anybody. Yeah. So, um, so Harry, like, races off. He's like, this is awkward. I'm bailing. Um, and he's going to tell Ron and Hermione about what he just witnessed. But they, they're like, wait, hold the phone. Stop. We got a letter from Hagrid. Um, Okay. The edition that Brooke is reading, the original Scholastic hardcovers, feature something that, like, the Bloomsbury Illustrated editions that I'm reading do not, and that's the handwriting of the characters. And this is the letter that is tear-stained in the Scholastic hardcovers. It's- so this is not. Oh, it's not? The other one is tear-stained. Oh. No, yeah. The, I'm, the I'm one from last chapter is tear-stained. Oh, the one where it says he lost his appeal? Well, he well, there's the one where he said he originally lost the case. Okay. That has water splatter on it. Okay. But then this one even says Hagrid's note was dry this time, no tears had splattered it. And it is just like and it says, yet his hand seems to have shaken so much as he wrote it that it was hardly oh. legible. And it is. It's like this terrible, like Oh my gosh. It's it's like the font that they use looks like a friendlier version of the font Chiller. Okay, no, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay, cool. I mean, not cool. That sucks. But but I, th- I missed that. Like, I definitely have been noticing that that... And also, like, all the letters that we see, like, Dumbledore's loopy handwriting. We've talked about in previous... I think when we were literally in, in the Sorcerer's Stone and Harry got the um, invisibility cloak, we talked about how that handwriting is like, a clue in a way that it's not in the Bloomsbury Illustrated Editions. Because, for example, it's not the same handwriting as ha- Hagrid's letters, right? So it's like, who sent this to us? Well, not Hagrid. But anyway, Buckbeak lost his appeal, and he's going to be executed that night. And Hagrid tells them not to come, which is a good idea, but if he really wanted them not to come, he should not have sent a letter. Right. <laughs> because he knows them. But also, I think that he knows that they are going to get to the bottom of it anyway. I don't know. But they, they do feel like they have to go. Um, and this is where... They can't figure out how to get down there. And Harry's like, oh, I left my invisibility cloak in this statue because Hermione wasn't, they were fighting at that time, so she doesn't know. And Hermione's like, honestly, don't even finish your sentence. I'm out of here. And she comes back with it. 
She's and fucking bad bitch, Hermione. Yeah. She's, right. Yeah. She has snapped and she's cool now. I love her. I mean, she literally also has just had the relief of finishing this hellish year taking oh, off of her shoulders. Yeah. And so now I feel like, you know, she's the valedictorian that's like, I'm going to try my first alcohol on graduation <laughs> night. Um, Ron looks impressed and Hermione looks rather flattered. And I just love these little things. This, you can really so start hot. to see, it's so hot. You can really start to see them starting to really see and respect each other in this one. In a very intimate kind of way. And I mean intimate in the way that friends are intimate too. Harry is also experiencing this, but you know, <laughs> he doesn't marry her someday. <laughs> Um, so they go down to dinner with the rest of the school, but then they sneak off afterward, which there should be, there just needs to be more supervision. You know how when classes were changing and some one teacher had to be in the hallway at high school being like, oh, go where you're going. Yes, I know what you're talking about. N- no, but I also went to <laughs> private school and they just trusted us implicitly. So this rose, this rang no alarm bells. Wow. No. Okay. Cannot relate. Lots of supervision. Um, there was There's like always like a teacher in, in there being like, go, go. Go. We go. Yeah, all go. had. <laughs> Alexis, Alexis is doing like flight directing hand <laughs> gestures. So, um, <laughs> this may blow your mind. Wait, so we all had at least one free period built into our schedules every day. That was like a study hall period. Wow, that's cool for you. And yeah, we were allowed you. to spend that anywhere on campus. Oh my god! So people would keep chairs and like snacks and stuff in their locker. And when you had your free period, you would just go grab your chair out of your locker and like sit in your chair in the hallway with your friends. And everyone would like huddle up in their camping chairs because we were allowed to pick our own lockers at the beginning of the year. So you would pick lockers near your friends so that when you had your free periods, you could all hang out in the hallways together. This is like wow. the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then wow. senior year, you got the privilege of being able to sign yourself out for your study hall so you could go off campus and get Bojangles. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I'm mad. I'm mad and we're moving on. Publicist sucks. <laughs> oh, I did do math, though. So last chapter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they mention when they go into the stands that there are about 200 kids wearing Slytherin green, which means that in the school, there are only about 30 kids per house per grade. That's already too many because there's 10 kids per house per grade. Wait, what? If you're going based on how many kids are in a dorm. I think that there are multiple dorms per grade, though. In Hogwarts? Yeah. Not, for example, for Gryffindors. There's only the five Gryffindor boys that are in Harry's year. J.K. Rowling is very bad at math. That may, yeah, because I was like, I was like, oh, that actually, like, makes sense, because then there would be, because it, it came out to 28, if you think it's, like, 200, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then if you multiply that by four houses, that's about 112-ish people per grade, so yeah, if you're assuming that the whole school turned out, and mm-hmm. there's about 200 people wearing Slytherin green, and mm-hmm. then you divide that by seven years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's about 28 people per grade. Okay. Per house, mm-hmm. which means that each year of Hogwarts has about 112 students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also your results may vary because we have talked before briefly about the fact that like because of the sorting hat process, mm-hmm, you are unlikely to have equal numbers in all of the houses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which also makes the house point system very fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, completely. 
So anyhow, that's that's the math corner. I mean, maybe that's like how, you know, when Harry it was like Slytherin or Gryffindor and the hat was like, well, we don't really have enough Gryffindors, so you're going to be a Gryffindor. Oh my so God. Maybe if I, when I went up to the sorting hat, it would have been like, honestly, dude, we just need more Hufflepuffs to so like go over there. But like if, it, if they had needed more Gryffindors, maybe I would have been in Gryffindor and I would have done well in Gryffindor. I know, but also you're sorting 11-year-olds, so I could see Slytherin being overrepresented because 11-year-olds are shit. They suck. I was definitely a Slytherin 11-year-old, for sure. And that, I mean, that's just not right at all anymore. And I called myself a Ravenclaw. That's how Slytherin I was. I was like, yeah, and I'm smarter than you. Fuck you. (laughs) I have always known I was a Ravenclaw. I am a Ravenclaw. I've never been able to take a test that has not told me that I'm a Ravenclaw. From the womb to the tomb. (laughs) Um, okay, so, oh my god, where even are we? Um, We're, they are leaving to go to Hagrid's hut. Yeah, so they go to Hagrid's hut. Hagrid is not crying, he's not drunk, um, he's just, like, sort of feral and helpless. Quote, this helplessness was worse to watch than tears. The trauma has just killed his whole spirit. Yeah, I'm gonna let you guys know right now that, like, the chapter doesn't get happier from here so (laughs) if you just want to like tap out on the elation of the end of the semester like go ahead but um yeah Hagrid makes them tea he tells them that Buckbeak is outside so he can get some fresh air before he dies so this made me cry (laughs) because uh when we lost uh my dog Tank he always used to love being outside for car rides with the windows down so one of the last things we did was take him for a car ride with the window down (laughs) So, this makes sense as a response to me. Yeah, and it sucks that, like, you can't take Buckbeak on, like, one last flight, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't let him go. He's not like a kite. You can't, like, fly him around. Um, Yeah, so he's just, like... He's not okay. So Hermione kind of takes over the tea situation. She goes to, like, pour some milk or whatever. She grabs the milk jug and... Ah! It's Scabbers! I was, like, so confused. I was like, she's pouring the milk into the milk jug, and that's where <laughs> Scabbers has been? Like, he's been there the whole time, or what? So, here, here's the thing, because I had to puzzle through this. So, Hagrid has the milk jug full of milk. Mm-hmm. He drops it. It breaks, right? Hermione goes to get a new jug, which is not full of milk as of yet. So, like, it's it's almost like... A carafe, and you're filling it from like a larger vessel. Yes. So okay. I think she grabs an an empty jug off of the shelf with the intention of going and filling it for milk, and in the empty jug is Scabbers. I was confused about like yeah the whole milk situation yeah. because as an American, it it mine just comes out of a carton, you know, like I don't <laughs> put it in anything fancy. Um. Okay. So yeah, Scabbers is there. Why? Why is he there? Like, I'm asking y'all, knowing that he's Peter Pettigrew, why is he hiding here and not like fleeing into the woods or something? Yeah, I don't know either. That was confusing to me too. Because there's nothing to eat in the woods. He's not a rat. He eats people food, like rat food and people food. So you think that he is like. I can stay in Hagrid's house and be out of the way and there will be enough food and he probably won't notice it missing. Yes. And he maybe he's like uh, considerate of creatures and maybe that's the best place to go. Yeah, well, if he finds him on accident, 
Hagrid is simply going to be like, look at this poor baby. I will give him everything he ever wanted. Oh, Alexis, when you said he's considerate of creatures, I, for some reason, my brain heard that as (laughs) Scabbers is considering the fact that there are other creatures trying to murder him, (laughs) which is true. Because my first thought is like, why wouldn't Scabbers just go get lost in the castle somewhere? And it's the food factor, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. Um. And yeah, Scabbers does intimately know Hagrid because he's visited with him a lot. <laughs> and I hate it. So um, do we think it's important that Hermione's the one who discovered him? Or was that just like a choice? Because like she's, she's like making the tea because that's like her impulse as like the nurturing kind of person she can be in these moments. I mean, Harry's literally too dumb. Like, it would be so out of character <laughs> for Harry to be like, I'm intuiting in this situation that I should be helpful. Harry, it's never going to be Harry, but Ron <laughs> has been known to, to to make tea under pressure, especially with, in Hagrid's house. So so why, why wasn't Ron the one, I guess, to, to discover Scabbers? I'm sorry, I just want to reiterate, Ron has been known to make tea under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most British thing I've ever That's- heard. That's going to be a tweet later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, so why, like, is it important that it was Hermione instead of Ron? Was it the final nail in the coffin of their reconciliation, so to speak? That was definitely not the right kind of turn of phrase, but. um, I don't think it's important that it's Hermione. I think if you look at the three personalities that you've got in front of you here, Ron's like, Ron's too riled. Like, he's angry about this. You're right, And I think yeah. Harry's too dumb. Yeah, and ne- then, it was never going to be Harry. Harry would, then, Harry would have looked into that mug and been like, ew, there's a rat in here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, so Ron is, like, kind of in shock. He picks up Scabbers, tries to soothe him. Scabbers is inconsolable, and also he looks like shit. I think if he was a regular rat, I wouldn't use that kind of harsh language, but he's an adult human man, and he, he looks like shit, dude. He looks like he's been through it. Yeah. So, Hagrid sees the ministry people coming through the window, and it. I guess I was salty when I was writing these notes. It's almost like you can just see people coming out a window without someone having to throw a rock at you, which is what happens in the movies, which is I know. I did write how it's so different. I guess I haven't read this book in a long time. And I was like, I think I've watched the movie a lot more. And I was like, where's the rock? I was like, (laughs) (laughs) where's the rock? Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But I'm sure when I watched the movie, I was like, there was no rock. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just like, how can we add tension to like the second half of this in the film? Like, so on the back end, when they're Harry and Hermione are doing it again, it's like, it needs to be tense right now. We're not leaving. We need to help ourselves because time travel. (laughs) So um, Hagrid leads them out the back door and they see Buckbeak, which feels pretty surreal to Harry. The kids have a hard time leaving. And I kind of relate to this. Like, you don't want to leave a friend who like is so in need and like this is not like Hagrid's bad for being a grown-up friend in need you know like this this is Ron Harry and Hermione at their truest like Gryffindoriest selves like brave enough to be like a stupid ass friend who will do more than what is expected or required they they just they do not want to leave him and and I wouldn't either they're sure they can get out of it, but but like they can't. But they, but well, they can though. I also got really mad, like 
um, Arya at Ned Stark's execution vibes, where it's like, oh it's gosh. chaos, and she doesn't want to be there, but she she's hoping that something's going to happen at the last minute, and, like, there's an adult being like, hey, don't look at this. Like, yeah. what are you doing? I, I got a lot of that kind of feeling from this exchange. Yeah, wow, that's really, that's, that's a pretty good, anal- like, a connection there, and... Yeah, it's like, but it's like, these children in these stories are just, like, doomed, you know, to, like, see too much and know too much. I will say, in general, I'm liking Hagrid a lot more in this book. Oh, He's I completely agree. much more of an adult mentor to these children instead of, like, a bestie to these kids. Well, and maybe, I, I mean, if you think about it from his perspective... You go to high school, you're expelled from high school, but you're never allowed to leave the high school. And he just lived there and it never stopped. And he was just like the kid who did the stuff on the grounds until finally this year they gave him like an actual fucking job. And he's like, oh, I am an adult now. And I think that that was so important for his character development. So do you think that the like turning point was him having the added responsibility of being a professor now? Yeah. I think he's like, I take this very seriously. And th- and there are boundaries now because I am yeah. an educator. He has to make Dumbledore proud also. And, you know, I think that's a big part of everything that he does is making sure that Dumbledore is proud of him. I hadn't considered that. And honestly, he went to Azkaban last year. So he's probably like, at all costs, let's not do that again. <laughs> oh, God, poor guy. I know. Poor Hagrid. Which brings me back to, so Azkaban is the primary place where they send bad wizards. Yeah, any bad wizard from a low-level marijuana to offense all the way up to being a Nazi. (laughs) But what they don't seem to do is execute people, which would further indicate (laughs) that this executioner is animals only. Yeah, you would think that if you're going to execute anyone, it's going to be Bellatrix fucking Lestrange. Honestly, like, how much would... Or Sirius Black, I guess. How much would you have to pay someone to be like, hey, your full-time job is animal executioner? Oh, my God. I just That's a horrifying position. Like, I would never. Like, offer me any amount of money, and I, like, it is not worth, like, my entire You would have to be literally a psychopath. Yeah. In order for this job to be in any way... Like, even stomachable. Yeah, stomachable, which is a terrible (laughs) word, but. (laughs) I don't know if it's a real word, but it follows all the rules of English, so. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a real word. Yeah, I mean, it it is now. In the real world. That's how I feel when I'm editing poetry. I'm like, is this a real word? Uh, It's a a real word now. It matches the cadence. Poetry, it it matters even less if it's a real word. Absolutely. Uh, but if someone is like, that word's made up, joke's on them, every word is made up. Um, <laughs> so they put on the invisibility cloak. It, they're lingering. They're really lingering. Hagrid is like, leave. Do not listen. Like, go. And and they're like, they finally are like, fuck, fine. Okay, we can't fix this. So let's get the fuck out of here. Because I don't want to hear an animal get killed. So let's fucking go. So they're hurrying away all three of them are under the cloak which i think like is hard that it's always hard for all three of them to be under the cloak and in a year or two it becomes impossible 
But Scabbers won't stay put. And, like, God, this this whole p- bit, right, is just the movie for me. Just, like, oh, my God, he bit me. Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Let's go, go, go. Um, and they're all struggling. And then they hear the swish and thud of an axe. Hermione sways on the spot. They did it. I don't believe it. They did it. End of chapter. I mean, this is truly the trio's first moment of watching justice not be served. Yeah, and it's a very important moment for them because justice so rarely gets served in any kind of meaningful way. Right. I mean, this is the outcome that I think any rational adult would have assumed was coming from the beginning of this tale. Yeah. But, like, only a child with a pure belief in justice and fairness would think that this was going to go any other way. They thought they could fix it up until, like, 30 seconds ago. They did fix it. I mean, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Um, But they have to get traumatized before they can fix it because character development. And I just want to remind everyone of the movie in this moment. Because in the movie, in this moment, they're all standing together. And Hermione turns and puts her head into Ron's chest so tenderly. (laughs) And then Harry's like... Yeah, me too. And grabs <laughs> on to them. And I love it so much. It's so bad. Oh my god. And that's just like that's just Of many times it. in my life where I am the third wheel. I mean, you know, Christina, I'm like always tagging along you with your boyfriend. Third wheel in yes, my I'm, house. <laughs> I'm always the third wheel. I, I understand Harry so much in that moment. And I want you to know that if we <laughs> if we heard a murder I would embrace you before Sean. <laughs> Sean can be the Aww. Harry in that moment. <laughs> Harry, uh, <laughs> Sean will be like, wait, what is? what are we upset about right now? <laughs> Man, so the crazy thing is that when I got to the end of this chapter, I was like, oh, shit, this night is the rest of the book. Yes. Yeah. This is a very long end of this book. This is it. Yeah. So was there anything in this chapter that we, like, didn't touch on that y'all had clocked or, like, anything you want to talk about knowing what comes next? Not really. I don't think so. A lot of shit's about to go down and it's all set up. Yeah. Yeah. This is... I So I haven't reread this book in, since I read it originally. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit excited to read it because everybody talks about really liking this book and I don't get it. But all of my memories of it are the movie. And here's the issue with that. With the book, you're in people's heads. And so reliving through these scenes, but seeing it from a different perspective is interesting. Because you're in the characters' heads and you're with them. Watching it on screen is an exercise in frustration for me. Because you're literally sitting there with the characters watching replay of a movie that you have just fucking watched well that's why they had to add bullshit like the stone throwing and stuff and just because i know Haley is losing her shit listening to this episode i'm gonna be the voice of Haley <laughs> right now and and point out the movie you know it's really fun to watch but it does not do the book justice in terms of like the complexity of the backstory that we are about to dive into right it's like it's like so compressed for the film and the book is so much more meaningful. I re- I remember reading the climax of this book for the first time and it fucking rocked my world. Like 
I think this is one of the first instances in my life where I ever got to read very complex storytelling that ended very messy. You know what I mean? This book does not end happily. It ends bare minimum for us to be able to go to sleep at night, you know? I fucking love it. I think it's my favorite yeah. book. No, it's a great book. It was my it was my favorite book. And then obviously I was like, Goblet of Four. But that's it. I, I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I love the Prisoner of Azkaban for the story and I love the Goblet of Fire for the spectacle. Well, for the action. I think it's I think it's not even that. It's like the Marauder's map, it's like going to Hogsmeade, it's like all of these things that are like so like just like ooh, like they're snuggly. Yeah, just the best parts of yeah. like living in that world when you're reading it, and then at the end, and I mean, obviously, still the scariness of Sirius Black is there, but in the end, you're like, oh, it's not even scary. It's like yeah. uh, it's uh, it wasn't scary the whole time. It was great, and then, <laughs> <laughs> but then obviously the doomsday comes at the end. This whole book to me feels like autumn. You know, it's yeah. like it's cold. And it's spooky because Halloween, but we're wearing a sweater and we're drinking a pumpkin spice latte and like, we're just, we're really vibe and we're reading a good book and we're using our brains, you know, like it's, yeah. it's good. If there's anything I can say for this series as a whole, it's that the author paced the introduction of the wider wizarding world very well yeah i don't know that it's ever really explained that well but you start getting like tastes of the like the first book is very in hogwarts yeah and then the second book you're starting to get a little like taste of some history some like outside world this book you're getting like a whole big bite outside world and then by goblet of fire which is my favorite you're literally like jumping into a lake of like hey you're like one small dot in this world of of magic yeah and it starts right off the bat with the fucking um quidditch world cup Mm -hmm. yeah awesome well i i had a really good time doing this episode gang honestly it was this was a really excellent discussion so i thank you for um partaking with me me too it was great i feel like having less people actually made me feel a little more comfortable or something that I did. Yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting. So everyone look forward to that next season. More intimate every day. Welcome to the restricted section after dark. (laughs) That was originally what I named our Patreon episodes, but I just forgot to follow through. (laughs) Um, All right, let's move on to some plugs. Brooke, will you please go first? What do you have to plug? I am going to plug uh, taking a hike because it's starting to get really nice outside (laughs) and uh, getting out and hiking is is great. The outdoor world can be really intimidating to people that don't do it much, but hiking is literally walking, but in a prettier place. And if you need a place to start, alltrails.com has a bunch of easy search tool features that can, it's free to make an account and you can really easily set like distance parameters and like how far away from you and how difficult the hike is and people update it with like community information on the current quality of the trail is a very good resource so i would start there yeah and i would also like to piggyback off of that all trails um another thing i really like about it is you can download the maps so that if you go off um away from your cell service or whatever um you can still totally use that interactive map and um i would also like to circle back to a plug brooke made a long time ago um 
for the 60 hikes and 60 miles uh, book series. Um, there's one for Richmond. There's one for a lot of cities in the United States. And um, I bought it when you recommended it, Brooke. And, and it's, it's awesome. If you want to um, start sm- small and close to you, you know, that's a good way to explore just shit in your backyard. Yeah. And then if you want to follow me, um, you can find me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brook. And you can find me in your dreams if you start to lucid dream and you think about me hard enough and long enough. (laughs) Brooke is the person who shows up in your lucid dream and is like, did you know that you're dreaming? And then you wake up. (laughs) I'm the person that ruins Inception. (laughs) You don't have to pretend you understand Inception. <laughs> I think that's a Rick and Morty bit. Alexis, what about you? <laughs> well, obviously, I showed you my cup of destiny. I have been reading my tea leaves. Um, uh, you can get it <laughs> online, and it tells you all of these things that you can read in your cup. And it's pretty cool. It's just fun. You know, I've just tried out a lot of different new hobbies lately. Uh, Watching-wise, I've been watching... Uh, something that is i'm just try. i always try to watch something kind of that makes me feel cozy and usually that's like gilmore girls or like uh mm-hmm. something like that but uh i started watching last tango in halifax and it's a you know bbc show and um it's just about the i really enjoy like elderly love i guess is uh the <laughs> the theme of that and it's kind of like a romantic comedy i would say as a show and it's just kind of lovely and they live in like yorkshire and they're it's like countryside and i just love it i love everything about that stupid show so i recommend (laughs) it it's just like the blending of families and elderly love and you know uh english countryside so if you want something cozy i recommend that awesome that's so cute (laughs) I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina Khan. And you can follow me on TikTok at Sprouts Private Stash. And this week, I'm going to plug a podcast that I love. It's a little nerdy. Um, it's called Lexicon Valley. And it's a linguistics podcast hosted by um, some guy whose name I don't know. Oh, my God, I'm the worst. Um, and basically, he's just like a pretty entertaining dude. It's just him monologuing about like a linguistic concept. Um, But his conversation, like, periodically, like, leads him to reminisce about, like, an old-timey song that he, like, remembers from his childhood or whatever. And then he'll play it. And it's, like, it's never more recent than, like, the 70s, I would say. Um, And it's just, like, a really delightful podcast where um, he talks about just, yeah, like, interesting linguistic concepts. So if you're interested in language, I would definitely give it a try. Um, I just fucking love language. Yeah, Lexicon Valley um, with the host whose name I don't know, but that'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Well, that's that, gang. Um, Again, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. And Brooke, there you are, too. You're here all the time, and I'm grateful for you. (sighs) Thanks. You're the only person that's told me that this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you that a thousand times, and I'll tell you a thousand more. Well, until next time, gang, Harry, get out of the divination classroom because you're obviously in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is you're out of your element. Just go. Go get some help. (laughs) Go get medical help.
Why are you scratching right now while I'm making my grand finale? Bye. 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 Listen, we didn't want to be half-bloods. If you're listening to this because you think you might be one, our advice? Stop listening to this podcast right now. Percy Jackson had the right idea when he told people to stop reading the books detailing his adventures as a half-blood. But we didn't listen to his warnings. And that's why we started this podcast, Of the Eldest Gods, where we read books written by Rick Riordan and talk about how they affected us as kids and continue to as semi-adults. You can find us every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think we fooled them for a second there? God, I hope not. Bring on the monsters. We're making a podcast. (laughs) The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Because I'm I'm using my uh, karaoke microphone right here. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.